If you go ahead and stand and turn in your Bible to the book of Isaiah in chapter number 39, Isaiah and chapter number 39. Sure grateful to have our pastor back. And if we had it our way, he'd never leave and never preach at another church. But that wouldn't be loving God's way, would it? Because we get to share and we get to uh, obviously share our pastor with other churches. And so we're gifted, obviously we're blessed to be able to have our pastor here. And so Sure thankful even for the privilege uh, that we have to preach tonight. Sure thankful for that. But we love him and sure thankful for it. So Isaiah chapter number 39 and let's begin in verse number one if you would. At that time Merodach Baladan, the son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent letters and a present to Hezekiah. Of course Hezekiah would be the king of Judah For he had heard that he had been sick. He had COVID (laughs) and was recovered. And Hezekiah was glad of them and showed them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices and the precious ointment and all the house of his armor and all that was found in his treasures. There was nothing in his house nor in all his dominion that Hezekiah showed them not. Then came Isaiah the prophet unto king Hezekiah and said unto him, What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And Hezekiah said, They're come from a far country unto me, even from Babylon. I think everybody would have gotten that, right? That wasn't really an answer. Then said he, what have they seen in thine house? And Hezekiah answered, all that is in my house have they seen. And there is nothing among my treasures that I have not showed them. Then said Isaiah to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house and all which thy fathers have laid up in store until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. And of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, Good is the word of the Lord which thou hast spoken. He said, Moreover, for there shall be peace and truth in my days. I want to preach to you a message entitled, Stewarding the Opportunities of Life Successfully. Why? Because the grave cannot praise God. Uh, subtitle would be The Folly of the Fondness of Fortune. The folly, the foolishness of the fondness, in other words, making that your desire of fortune. Fortune meaning goods, blessings, benefits, bestowments. There's folly in the fondness of fortune. Then let me ask you this question. 
What decisions are you making right now that could have devastating effects upon future generations? And then, does the well-being of others truly matter to you? So, Father, once again tonight, we want to say thank you. And, Lord, thank you for the privilege to be called a child of God. Thank you for the blessing that it is to be able to pray and to seek your face. Thank you that we have the privilege to open up thy word and to be spoken to tonight. Thank you for the manifold grace of God that was just sung about and the love that you have for us. Thank you, Father, that you never give up on us. Thank you, Father, that you love the peoples of this world, whether they be in Babylon or Assyria or in the land of Israel or right here in Oklahoma City. You love the peoples of this world. So, Father, we pray that you would meet with us and you would speak to our hearts tonight. And I pray that you would do all that you desire and we'll give you thanks and we'll give you praise in Christ's wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. Twenty-seven years ago, almost this month, in fact, in the month of March, Shelley and I brought home our son Cody. We arrived home from the hospital, walked into the door of our little apartment there, sat him down on the couch in his little chair seat there and looked at each other and said, now what do we do? <laughs> we can't do this on our own. And really three things uh, shaped our endeavors as we tried to be a parent, a godly parents and to our son and to our daughter, Casey. We determined three things. First of all, that children would be like, we would treat uh, the life of our children with this thing or with this thought. Children are like a chalkboard or like a board that we could write upon their heart whatever that we desire to do. That's both divine and deadly because whatever we teach them is what's going to be written upon their hearts. Secondly, I asked myself, how does God parent me? In other words, how does God work in my life? What does God do in, in my life? What does he do when, I'm, when I sin? What does he do when I need help? What does he do when I cry out to him? What does he do when I, when I uh, uh, fail and fail miserably? How does God respond? And God, God does all those things. He's gracious, he's kind, he's benevolent. And so we determined that we would parent our children the way that God parents us. Because if, we'll, if God does right, then obviously if we do what he does, then, then obviously it'll be right. And we will be, Lord willing, successful in that process. And then thirdly, we understood this, that we are simply stewards. That our children are given to us uh, really this way. They're made by God. They're, we didn't create them. They're made by God. And then they're made for God. That life is for him that was created for his glory. And thus the child is accountable to God. And so by God's grace and by God's help and God, God's wisdom and leadership and forgiveness, we attempted to steward our children and have the opportunity to hopefully invest in them successfully. And obviously that job is not done till the day that we go home to heaven. And stewarding children is one of the many things of which you and I take responsibility. The blessings of God we are stewards of. 
Southwest Baptist Church, we are stewards of the, the body of which we are a part of. We get to be per participants in that. We get to be recipients of the grace of God. We are, we are um, beneficiaries of finances. In other words, we are to steward those in a right way. God gives and we are to give back and we're to be a blessing. We're to be a help to others. Uh, we are stewards of our time. We're stewards of our relationships, our friendships, our families. We're stewardships of the Word of God, how we handle the Word of God, how we use the Word of God, how we obey the Word of God. We're stewardship of our praise. In other words, uh, what we do with our mouth and what we say to God, we're stewards of those things. But people being the most tangible of all of those. And so our interaction with people, being that of which we are called upon, must be that which we are accountable to. We have a limited amount of time. I mean, uh, the older that we get, the more we realize my time is getting short here on this earth. And so, uh, so obviously, our sphere of influence is different. Some are grandparents, some are great-grandparents, some are parents. Some are still single, some are not married yet. All of us have a different sphere of, of influence and we have a limited amount of resources even to do so. There are parent-child relationships that we steward. There, there are the family and the church responsibility that we steward. There, there is the Sunday school class and the members of, of which we are a part of. And we, we get to steward one another. We get to be a help to one another. There is the stewardship of the church to the community. We, we are to be re, uh, responsible and accountable for the community that God has placed us in. And even church to this world. Right? And the king Hezekiah that we read about, he was afforded manifold opportunities to impact the lives of others for good and for God. We find here at the beginning of the chapter that Merodach Baladin, we don't know much about him. In fact, this is really the only time that he's mentioned other than the parallel passages in the Old Testament. But Merodach Baladin and the Babylonians come and they really come peaceably to see Hezekiah and Judah and we don't know all the reasons for which they came. Uh, most likely, I mean, if we're thinking right, they most likely had uh, an ulterior motive. They weren't coming just to be a blessing uh, to the people of God and to the king uh, of God's people. But really all we see here is that they had heard that Hezekiah had been sick and and that he had recovered, and they wanted to know something about that. They'd seen the glory of God and the hand of God, and they knew that he had a lot of treasures and a lot of things, and so they wanted to come see that. Well, at this time, Babylon was subservient to Assyria. Assyria at that time was the great world leader, the great world empire at the time. Uh, you might call Babylon kind of a junior superpower. The nation of Israel, of course, was a little power, little people, if you will, in the eyes of man. However, 185,000 Assyrians uh, were eliminated in one night by the hand or by the finger of, of the angel of God. Amazing. And so then we find Sennacherib, who was the king of Assyria that had been defeated, he runs and he goes back home and he's home uh, there and he begins to fall down and worship his, his god Nisroch. And his two sons come in and said, we don't like what happened. We don't like uh, maybe the leadership that he's displayed here. And 185 guys of our, of our fellow brethren die in one night. And so they murdered their dad. And the one took the kingdom. And so here comes this impressive entourage from Babylon, far away, and they come to see Hezekiah. 
Well, obviously, there's reasons for which they came. I want you to turn over, if you would, hold your place in Isaiah and turn over to 2 Chronicles chapter 32 and verse number 30, uh, verse number uh, 32 and verse number 31. 2 Chronicles 32, 31. It says, Howbeit in the business of the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon who sent unto him to inquire of the wonder that was done in the land, and then the statement is made here, God left him to try him that he might know all that was in his heart. And so we find here this, this uh, group of uh, Babylonians, they come and they want to see what happened. They want to know there, there's obviously some secret power here that, that they wanted to maybe uh, uh, observe and to be a part of. And, and if they could get their hands on it, whatever it was, they obviously wanted to have a part of that. And so Hezekiah, he's flattered by this attention that is given him. I mean, here, here comes this nation and they came to see me. That's, that's what he's saying. Look, look down in verse number two of Isaiah chapter 39. And the Bible says, and Hezekiah was glad of them. The word glad there means it means to be joyous. It means to be overjoyed with excitement there. He was, he was thrilled to death that, that somebody, another nation would come and see him. Well, obviously, God had been very gracious to him. Uh, Hezekiah was a beneficiary of God's goodness to him. In fact, back in 2 Chronicles, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible says this, Thus saith the Lord that saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, and from the hand of all other, and guided them on every side, and many brought gifts unto the Lord to Jerusalem. So they saw what happened. And so other nations brought gifts unto the Lord. And they said, wow, this is amazing. And they brought gifts unto the Lord. Uh, now, before you start thinking, well, you know, they were converted. It wasn't necessarily that. It was just a pagan philosophy of we don't want to upset him. <laughs> we don't want to upset this God. And so they brought gifts unto the Lord. And then also they brought presents to King Hezekiah so that he was magnified in the sight of all nations from thenceforth. And so it was just another nation that was coming and, and Hezekiah was saying, this is pretty nice. I kind of like this. I mean, God had saved Jerusalem from the wicked Assyrians. God had guided them and protected them. God had given them peace. And, and there were presents that were brought and gifts that were done. And he was exalted and magnified in the sight of all the, all the people thereof. It was quite a turn of events for the nation of Israel. It was quite the thing for the king of Israel to kind of be on top rather than being squished. And so Hezekiah was delighted and honored by the gesture that Babylon made. And so he reciprocated by displaying his treasures. Shows them the house of his precious things, the silver and the gold and the spices. And I mean, could you, could you just, could you imagine, could you go with me there as Hezekiah is showing this and, and uh, here's the men from Babylon. And, oh, oh, yeah, let me show you. This is, this is the cup that my great-great-grandfather David drank out of. And, and this is the sword that, that David uh, gathered from the Philistines. And, and oh, yeah, over here, this is the silver that was, uh, like, that was like pebbles on the streets when Solomon was, was king. All these things have I, have I have in abundance here. And oh, yeah, and the spices that were brought down from Ethiopia. And, and uh, Queen Sheba, she brought these things down. And there's, there's this great amass of treasure and storehouses that he shows. He's so excited about it. He's thrilled to, to show them the, the wonders of his kingdom. 
In fact, the Bible declares that, that he showed all of his armor and all of his treasures and all of his dominion. He, he did everything that he could to, to display his goodness, showed them all that he had. Maybe in hopes of gaining more honor from them, we don't know, or simply just to win the favor of another nation. However, the man of God, he wasn't flattered. He wasn't so happy about what had just taken place. In fact, Isaiah comes to him in, in verse number three and, and basically says this, what's this all about? What are you doing? What could possibly be going through your mind? What, have you lost your ever-loving mind? What are you doing? What are you thinking, Hezekiah? What said these men? And from whence came they unto thee? And what, what have they seen in thy house? Hezekiah probably turns to him and says, Preacher, what are, you, what are you so worked up about? What are you all bent out of shape about? I mean, this, this is an honor that they came all the way to see me. Aren't you impressed with this entourage? I mean, look at, look at this. Look at the horses and look at the steeds and look at, look at these men and look at the soldiers and look at their power and their might. And they, they came all the way to see little old Israel here. Look at the gift that they brought me. Oh yeah, I can add this to my collection here and I can, I can put another one and store another one here for other people to see. And, and look, at this, look at this letter. Look at the letter that they wrote me. Look at the words that they said. Look how happy that they are for us. I mean, come on. I didn't, I didn't give them anything of my house. They didn't take anything. We, I mean, we had a good time together. We, we had good fellowship. And in fact, there was nothing of my treasures that I have not showed them. And then God pronounces to Hezekiah through Isaiah a mortifying message. In fact, Isaiah said it this way. Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. You, you think they are big stuff? You think, you think this entourage is, is uh, impressive? <clears throat> you think that they make you feel really important? This is the Lord of hosts that's about to speak. There's a lot of them. This is the Lord of hosts. And so he declares unto him, in verse number six, in the days to come, look, look at this. Behold, the days come that all that is in thine house. In other words, all these treasures that you just uh, showed them and uh, which thy fathers had, had laid up in store unto this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, saith the Lord. All these things that you're boasting in, all these things that you're, that you're happy about, all these things that you're finding fulfillment in and that you're joyous to show them and to put on display and, and, uh, and to show your might and to show your power, all of those things are going to be carried away. And if that wasn't enough, he says in verse number seven, and of thy sons that shall issue from thee, which thou shalt beget, shall they take away, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. In other words, the, the seed, uh, the future children and grandchildren are going to be taken away. And not only are they going to be taken away, but rather than being used in the house of God, and rather than be used for the glory of God, and rather than be using for the praise of God, and being on display for God to use and to, to use for His glory, they're going to be used in a pagan king's temple. Hezekiah's response is both stunning 
and selfish and really not so surprising. Because he says in verse number eight, then said Hezekiah to Isaiah, good is the word of the Lord. And, and I'm going to have peace in my days. And he's happy about it. Couldn't, can't you hear him saying something like this? I'm glad I don't have to deal with that. I've got 15 more years to live. I'm safe. Everything's okay right now for me. I'm glad I'm not under the future condemnation that's coming to our nation. And can't you hear Isaiah back to him? Hezekiah, you were afforded an illustrious opportunity to show unto this pagan people, this, this, this people that, that really are very limited in their knowledge about God. We know God and we have God and we have the things of God. They don't. And, and God has done great wonders and great mighty deeds in our midst and even in your life as well. And you wasted an opportunity. Is that all that you showed them was your treasures? Is that all that you talked about? Is that all that you, that you did? Is there nothing else more spectacular that's happened in your life? Do you not have anything greater to boast about? I mean, come on, Hezekiah. Our nation was miraculously de delivered from Sennacherib. 185,000 men died in one setting. You were set free and we were set free as a nation. We're no longer in, in, in enslavement. We're no longer under the oppressive hand of a, of a wicked despot and a wicked ruler. God added 15 years to your life. God's defended this city and, and given us peace and given us this opportunity. I mean, come on. I mean, he did the incredible by your own asking. I mean, you were, you were sick and, and couldn't take care of yourself and God healed you. And then God gave you this miraculous sign that he would take. Listen, this, this is amazing. He would take the, the, the sundial and he would ask it to go backwards. Hezekiah said, I, I want to know that this is going to happen. And, and so he said, well, this is what I want. And so Isaiah said, okay. And the sun dial went backwards. In other words, the sun was here and it should have been going this way. And God made the sun, who he's the owner of, it went back this way. Obviously, the other nations of the world knew something about this because of what was recorded in the Chronicles, because they knew of the wonder that had taken place. It was evident. Had not God, the God of heaven, done the unprecedented for you? He delivered you. He saved you. He set you free. He gave you life. He gave you an extension of life. I mean, come on. Who, who has been given a, an extension of life? I mean, the Bible had, had basically declared unto Hezekiah, set your house in order. You're about to die. You don't have another day to live. And Hezekiah wept and he, and he put his face toward the wall and he cried out to God and God heard his cry. Listen to me. That hadn't happened before. It wasn't like God was doing this all the time. It wasn't like another king that that had happened to. And Hezekiah said, well, Dave, that happened to David and that happened to Solomon. No, this was unprecedented. This was something unparalleled. This was something that had not happened before previously. And yet God chose to do that in the life of Hezekiah. It was an amazing event. It was a, it was a spectacular thing to behold. 
And yet, did not these licentious, selfish idolaters need to hear about the true and living God? To see what God had done, to know their creator. I mean, it's an amazing thing. The Babylonians were worshipers of, of the sun. And yet God, God, the, the, listen, the very thing that they were worshiping, God said, I'm in control of the sun. This is your God. I'm in control of it. I'll move it wherever I want to. They needed to know that. They needed to understand that. They needed to understand that there was a creator God that was in control of all things and all peoples and of all things everywhere. And yet Hezekiah squandered an opportunity to declare the greatness of God and the hand of God. Ironically, Hezekiah showed them all that was in his house, but never showed them his Savior. I said, ironically, it, it, it's very evident from the passage. He showed them everything. He said, he said to Isaiah, I showed him everything. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. I showed him my treasures and my gold and my silver and, and the spices and, and everything that I have in my dominion. And Isaiah said, no, you didn't. You didn't show him God. You didn't tell him who the Savior was. You didn't declare the hand of God and the works of God and the might of God and the power of God. You had an opportunity to display the wonders of God, and you didn't. In fact, if we were to turn back to chapter 38 and read there in verse number, uh, verse number 19, it says this. This is Hezekiah after he's healed of God. He said, the living, the living shall praise thee as I do this day. He wrote this song. And he says, the father to the children shall make known thy truth. In other words, Hezekiah was saying this, God has done wonderful things here. I'm going to sing about it. And then he says this in verse number 21, uh, excuse me, verse number 20, the Lord was ready to save me. Therefore, will we sing my songs to the stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord. Hezekiah knew that he had more to do. God spared his life. He was about to die. He was at the age of 39. I mean, it's a young age. God said, you're going to die. God gives him another 15 years. He basically doubled his time as a king. And so Hezekiah understood, I've got a lot to do here. I've got some responsibility. I ought to praise God. I ought to tell my children about him. I ought to teach them and instruct them about the ways of righteousness. In fact, all of us ought to be singing about God. That's what he was saying there. And what a platform that Hezekiah had to, to declare and to display the wonders of God to those who desperately needed it. I mean, come on, ba Babylon worshiping the sun? What was the sun going to do for them? They're worshiping Nisroch. What, what happened there? Well, it got, they got their dad killed. Their God, their God was no God. Their God was no help. Their God was not a deliverer. Their God had no salvation. Their God had no, no help or no ability to change their life. They needed to hear about the true and living God. I said, what an opportunity. Missed. God had done the extraordinary in his life. And yet what a missed opportunity that he had. Because those who receive the deliverance of God delight in Him by declaring and displaying His goodness. Those who receive the deliverance of God delight in Him. In other words, 
He becomes the focus, the true focus, the right focus, the, the best focus, we might say. Those who receive the deliverance of God delight in Him by declaring, by speaking forth, and by doing this, by displaying His goodness. Everywhere they go and every opportunity that they have to say, you need to, you need to know about my God. He's delivered me. You need to know about my God. He saved my life. You need to know about God. He's done this for me and he's given me this and, and all that I have and all these treasures. In fact, if we were to go back and study it, really the reality was simply this. All these treasures that he had, right. the, he, they weren't even of his hand. God had provided all that. Other nations had provided all that. It was all by the grace and the mercy of God. And so he had the opportunity to share to with others, God is great, I am not. God is mighty, I am not. God is all powerful, I am not. I am simply the hand. Listen, I am the hand that's in front of you. I am the tangible part of the workings of God because it's him working through me that does anything good. And yet he failed to do so. So let me ask you tonight. Has not God done the unprecedented in your life? Hezekiah was on his deathbed and God gave him life. He had a sickness that was incurable and God gave him restoration, delivered him. Were you not under the condemnation of a disease called sin? <laughs> Were you not under the divine sentence of death? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Listen, not one of us, not one of us in this room, if we added up, listen, if we took all the goodness and all the good works that you and I could possibly do, every single person in here and tried to bring them all together, there's not, there's not any of us that could bring them out good enough to come before God. We were under the divine condemnation of God. And just like Hezekiah, there was no hope outside of God. No hope. And did not he hear you cry? I recounted this, I was thinking about today, 1978, February the 5th, 1978, and I cried out to God in humility and God saved my poor ever-living soul at the age of seven. Did not he hear your cry when you called out to him? And you asked him to save you and you humbled yourself before him. He saved you and set you free. Amen. He gave you peace. We who were once enemies of God, he reconciled us. He made us friends of him. Right. Oh, yes. He extended our life. You say, what, what are you talking about, Brother Perk? What do you mean he extended my life? I have everlasting life. <laughs> I am going to live forever. No, not in this body. I'm going to live forever in heaven. God extended my life. Listen to me. That was unprecedented. I didn't deserve that. You didn't deserve that. It's not one of us in here that, that is worthy of God's goodness and God's forgiveness and God's mercy. It was, it was unparalleled what God has done for us. So what are we doing with the opportunities he gives us? Are there not Babylonians in our neighborhoods? Are there not Babylonians in our homes? Are there not Babylonians in our schools, in our workplaces, in our friendships? And do not they need to hear about the Jesus Christ who is the Jehovah of the Old Testament? He's the only one that will change their life.
Otherwise, they're going to keep serving the sun or the moon or whatever, or, or whatever it may be. Do not they need to see His wonders and know Him? We've got a lot of people in our church right now with cancer. Could you imagine going to Glenda Waldrop's house tonight? And, and what if God miraculously healed her of a death sentence, if you will? I, I can't imagine me going to her house after she was healed by God and her saying, oh, Brother David, you got to see this thing that I just sowed. Oh, Brother David, you got to see these new flowers that I put out in my flower bed. <laughs> oh, Brother David, I and she makes a wonderful pecan pie. Not as good as my wife's, but she makes a wonderful pecan pie and a good co coconut cream pie. Oh, Brother David, I've made the best pecan pie that you'll ever have in your life. I, I, I can't imagine if she was miraculously healed by the hand of God. Her boasting and displaying those kind of things. We would say, how foolish. Miss right. Glenda, God, God just did this for you and this is all you can talk about? And yet, here we are. We were on our way to hell. We were without Christ. We were without, we were without anything good. And God reached down and He saved us and He set us free. And yet sometimes all we can find to talk about is, well, you, look, look at what I got to do today. Look at what I, I'm not minimizing those things. I, I love to make things. I love to do things. And I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't make things and I'm not saying you shouldn't do anything. But listen to me. If all that we have to talk about is what we have made and what we have done and what we have been a part of and what we've accomplished, listen to me, we're missing it. Because God has changed our life and He set us free. And for us just to boast in what we have and what we've done and our treasures and our abilities. Oh, come on, Brother David. you got to look at my golf score. you got to see what I've done. And you got to look at this. Look, look, look at what I've done this semester. <laughs> well, I'm glad. But that's not what we ought to be boasting in. And that's not what we ought to be declaring. And that, now listen, if that gets us to the point of being able to witness to somebody, that's great. But if all we have to talk about, and if all the people that we work with, if that's all that we know is that we have good grades, and if that's all that we know is that we came from this state and we want to go back to that state, whatever the case may be, if we're boasting in the things of man and we're not giving glory and giving praise to God and taking an opportunity to share what God is and what He's done, we're missing it. We're missing the opportunities that God has provided for us. And every single one of us, every, if I were to ask you to raise your hand, every single one of us in this room knows somebody that is without Christ. We know a Babylonian. We know somebody that's without Christ. And, and God has done this for me and for you, and we cannot speak of Him to them. Ron, who owns the uh, lawn shop back right over here off of Western. Brother Kevin does a lot of business there. The church does a lot of business with there. I've done business with him and been trying to get this lawn more fixed that I'm dealing with. And I've had part after part after part that I've had to go in. And I walked in the other day and I'm like, it's me again. 
And he's like, okay, no big deal. And I'm thinking, I, you don't want to see me. I know you don't want to see me because I've got another question. I've got this and I've got that. And I said, it's about the lawnmower. And he goes, I love lawnmowers. I love talking about lawnmowers. And I love, I love dealing with this. And I was like, Whew. And I thought, here's a man that, that is in, you understand what I mean by this. He's in love with lawnmowers. He loves talking about them. He loves working on them. He loves getting parts for them. He loves all the ins and the outs of that. And he could probably talk about it. And he probably knows the part numbers. And he can tell you everything about them. Well, he should. He owns a lawn business place. And yet here we are as a Christian. And we can't talk about Christ. We ought to know, listen, we ought to know the ins and outs of what God has done for us. I ought to know everything about how God saved me. I ought to know everything about trying to tell somebody about Christ. I ought to know everything about the good hand of God and the good grace of God and the good mercy of God. And I ought to be able, ought to, be able to declare that. I ought to be able to display that. It ought to be on my life. It ought to be on my lips. It ought to be on my heart. It ought to be on my mind. And listen to me. I understand. I get it. I know. I, I understand this, that every single one of us have the tendency to go back and to go back and to go back and to fall and to say it's about this world and it's about what I have and it's about my possessions and and this makes me happy and that makes me happy and I like this and I like that. And if we're not careful, we're delighting in the gifts of God rather than the God who is the giver of the gifts. And the people of this world, listen, the people of this world, they don't need to hear more about man. And they don't need to hear about more of the greatness of man and more about the might of man and more about what man does. In fact, they need to hear everything about what God is and what God has done. So you're not boasting and sitting back and enjoying the blessings of God and the fruit of God and the mercies of God while there are others out there that don't know anything about God, are you? You're not missing out on an opportunity to witness to a coworker that desperately needs to hear him. Oh, but Brother David, I, I, I'm just so glad I'm going to heaven. I'm just so glad that I know God. I'm just so glad that God... No, 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 you're, you're not missing out on an opportunity to share that with a, your coworker, are you? I don't know how many times throughout the semester I hear this from students. Brother Perkle, I got to witness to my coworker. Pray for them. Pray for this person. And then, then I see them again and they're like, oh, Brother Perkle... They got transferred to another job and to another department and I don't even get to see them anymore. And I say this, you planted the seed of the gospel and they have it. Rejoice in that. God can do what you can't do. You see, right here when Hezekiah, when, when God brought the Babylonians to Hezekiah, he had a short window to display the, the goodness of God. And you and I, we don't know how many times we're going to have to witness to that coworker at Panera or Chick-fil-A or wherever it may be or O'Reilly's or wherever it may be. You have a window and you have an opportunity to share the truth of the gospel. I just had a conversation with Brother Ray Painter. Brother Ray Painter got to lead a man that was out of the military. His name is Robin. He had dinner, he had breakfast with him and his fiancee this morning. Her name is Diane. Diane got led to the Lord this morning by Ray Painter. 
You know what, Ray, Brother Ray could be all excited about uh, um, aviation above missions or affection above missions and be all excited about this and planning and getting here and getting there and going to, to this church and, and getting support here and, and all that God is doing and all that. Listen to me. But no, he took the time and he said, I have an opportunity. I have a window here to share what God is and what God has done. And a man got saved and then his fiance got saved. Brother Paul Matthews here tonight. You, you know what? I'm thankful that on a friend day, our pastor didn't just get up and just say something, but he preached the word of God and he labored in the word of God. And he said, people need to hear this word and they need to know about our God and they need to know about this glory of salvation. He got saved and he got baptized. He's a member of our church and his family is a member of our church. Nate Long is here tonight. Nate Long. Listen, uh, I, I could tell you a lot of things, but, but to sum it up this way, a lot of men worked in his life so that he could be here. And he's as assurance of his salvation. He got baptized a few, a few services ago. All because people said, here's a window. Here's an opportunity. This person needs to hear. They need to know. I have what God can, can change their life and I want to be used by God. Yes, God has done the unprecedented in your life. Will you, will you who are the recipients, will we as the recipients of God's deliverance delight in God so that we might declare and display the goodness of God? Father, tonight as we bow before you, we publicly praise you and publicly thank you for our salvation. Lord, we are here tonight because of you. We gather tonight because of you. The word is preached tonight because of you. Songs are sung tonight because of you. An invitation is given tonight because of you. And God, there may be one here tonight that doesn't know you as their personal Savior. They, they don't have a relationship with you. They don't, they don't know you intimately. And God, this could be the night that they could call upon you. God, maybe there's some here tonight that they have been satisfied and complacent in their life. And they're enjoying the benefits of being saved. And they're enjoying the benefits of of having eternal life and they're, they're happy and they're, they're at peace and they have the blessings of God in the hand of God. And yet, just like many of us, they fail to take opportunities to witness to others, to share the gospel with others. Oh God, would you help us tonight? Would you help us to be faithful in the matter of winning souls, be helpful in the matter of declaring who you are and just taking the opportunity to share with somebody that desperately needs to hear you. And God, maybe there's somebody here tonight that you've laid a specific person on their heart and on their mind that they've never talked to and that they need to address and they need to call and they need to send a letter to or they need to talk to even tonight. I pray that that would be the case. I pray that you'd have your will and your way done tonight and we'll give you thanks and we'll give you praise in Christ's wonderful name.